Hey guys, in this video, we're gonna be getting back to the basics and diving into what actually is spirituality from a no-nonsense, practical standpoint. That's coming up, stay tuned. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Wizard Factory podcast, where together we explore deeper understanding of the universe through ourselves. My name is Logan Hart. I'm so happy you're here, and I'm very excited about today's episode, as we're going to be getting really back to the fundamentals of what it means when we say the word spirituality. But before we get into that, you know the drill. Hit the like button really quick, boost that video out in the algorithms, favor the gods of YouTube, and whether you're subscribed or not, do me a quick favor and hit that bell down below. That's going to notify you every time I drop a new video. And I know we're all busy these days, of course, but if you can, please try to watch to the end of the video. That also really helps the performance and helps the channel out a whole lot. So I'm very appreciative, and that's going to ensure that you're going to get the most out of this content. Thank you so much for being here. You truly are the heartbeat of this channel. You're the reason that I'm back doing this work because I'm just trying to serve in the best way that I can and share the insights and what I've learned along my journey in the hopes that it's valuable to someone else. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for simply being here, for watching this content. It means the world to me. All right, let's get into it. So I can't possibly talk about the concept of spirituality without talking about animism because if there is one other word that's as closely synonymous with it, that would probably be it. So if you're unfamiliar, what is animism? Well, animism is probably the oldest and most universal belief. It's not a system. It's simply a perspective, an actual understanding of the reality field which we live in. That simply holds to be true that all matter in the universe, everything around us, is composed of life force energy, of consciousness. The word itself stems from many different etymological sources all over the world, including Latin, Greek, even Sanskrit, all of which meaning to breathe life into, or spirit, or breath. Very interesting that to breathe is to be a life. When you are inspired and you are re respiring, you're breathing in life force energy. You're powering up and you're in motion. You're animated, right? So to be animated means alive with motion. So in my opinion, spirituality can only be defined through the animistic perspective that all life all matter is life force energy, is consciousness experiencing itself through a limited subjective 
experience, perspective. So simply put, it really all comes back to one thing, consciousness. All is mind, from the hermetic principle of mentalism, everything in the universe. So let's take a look at that word, universe, for a moment. Uni and verse literally translates to one song. So everything is in a state of vibration, singing the one song in, in different ways. Think of an orchestra, right? You've got all these different instruments playing different notes. You've got high notes, you've got bass notes, you've got drums, percussion, but they are all playing together. They're playing one song. They're harmonizing most of the time. Sometimes discordant notes, dissonant notes are added to music to give more meaning, more make it more interesting to the ear. Well, life is no different. Without that chaos, that little bit of disharmony, right? Tension and release. If everything was just perfect, pretty notes all the time, well, that one song would get pretty boring, right? The song needs different parts of the journey. It needs ups and downs. It needs minor notes that sound sad uh, and major notes that sound happy and triumphant. That's what's telling the story, right? So to me, that's a really good way, like an analogy of looking at this is each being, each object, even everything that has form in the universe is an instrument. And each form individually is all sort of vibrating, just like a, a guitar string or a violin string or a drum at a different frequency. We're all sort of singing our own songs, contributing to the one song in the grand cosmic symphony of it all. And what is the universe but a university? The school of life. We've all heard that before, right? So the universe is both a playground and a school, which really, those two should never be a separate thing anyways. That's actually a concept I put forth in the very first episode of this podcast. If you're interested, go back and check that out, where the playground is just as much a place for learning of, you know, through play, through experimentation, through even making messes and, and uh, destroying things. That is how we learn. And of course, we can look at this as Midgard from the Norse tradition. Uh, this is the realm in which we are here to operate, here to do the work and the play. Those two, again, they go hand in hand. So the universe is governed by two cosmic principles, truth and love. Again, these are actually not separate things, but two different perspectives or two different expressions of the same thing, of, of the all. And they're sort of the masculine and feminine representations, if you will. Truth being just eternal, unchanging, perfect, um, sort of objective, right? It just is what it is. That's all sort of the masculine aspect. There's a couple of different aspects to this as well. Truth, in essence, is both what is 
and has occurred in reality, in other words, what has factually manifested in this realm, but it also refers to natural law. In other words, the dynamics of the format you could look at as if this, then that. So that would be a true, true statement, you know, kind of uh, dictating the future. So it's what has already occurred, what is occurring now, and then the laws which dictate what, what, what will occur uh, given a certain set of parameters or circumstances and behaviors and choices. So this means a deep understanding of like history, uh, current events, so what has happened, what is occurring, and then a deep understanding of natural law. And this is probably the most empowering because this allows you to not only sort of foretell the future, but even more importantly, dictate the future based on your own actions. Uh, and you can create certain circumstances and then take certain actions that will actually guarantee a certain outcome. This is the full expression and maximizing your potential of your creative power. So that's how natural law is inseparable from the pursuit and love and care and reverence for truth itself. Whereas love is just the all-encompassing, united life force. Again, it's if we're all coming from the same source, then we're all born of love. Love is oneness, connection, coming together. And again, remember that you cannot have truth without love, and you cannot have love without truth. They are born of each other. They are like the yin and the yang that complete the circle, because truth is the unifying aspect that binds everything to, together. Love is sort of that energetic binding force, but that is born out of the oneness that is truth, because anything that is not truth is illusion. And then the personal internal manifestation of that is ignorance, is a disconnection from that truth. And those who are acting out of fear disconnection from love are also ask, acting out of, uh, out of alignment with truth. And we'll get more into that later. But again, think of them as two different expressions of the same totality rather than two different things. And it's like knowledge and care are sort of the human expressions of those two. And again, we'll, we'll dive more into those and how they interrelate later. But think of these as kind of the internal and external expressions. You have to start with the macro and see the big picture as truth and love. And then on the personal level, those are embodied through knowledge and care, right? So as above, so below. There's always that macro and microcosmic reflection of the same sort of patterns and cosmic forces. It is also important to note that natural law, truth, and love are the driving forces of this evolution that we're speaking of. So without them, there is no evolution. Consider that it is the hardships throughout human history 
that have forged and created the incredible diversity, adaptability, cognitive abilities, as well as creative abilities that the human race now possesses. That's that Saturnian force of molding coal into diamonds through intense pressure that is driving our evolution and advancement forward. That's why Saturn is the Lord of natural law. So then you can kind of go back and think about this as a story. In the beginning, everything was just one and whole. The, you know, consciousness is all there is, all that ever was. Truth, just eternal, perfect, everlasting, uh, unequivocated truth. So if that's just all there is to it, that's kind of boring, right? There's really not much of a story. That's just the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. What else is there to do or, or say or tell? And so you could think of it as this consciousness of the universe created an illusion, a dream, in which it separated itself in order to have an experience. It, it separated itself from one into an object and a subject. You have to have the subject to experience the objective happening around it. If without that separation, there is no experience. There's nothing to be done. There's nothing to be learned. Everything already just is and is in its perfection. So again, this can be kind of mind-bending because these are all simultaneously true. Everything is separate. It has its own individual form. I am me, you are you. But at the same time, we are also not separate and all one, all part of the same. But just like masculine and feminine, these two things give meaning to each other. They, they fit perfectly together. They're not at odds. They even create and perpetuate each other. So these, these two cosmic principles can be seen through the laws of nature, through natural law. Uh, where the law of oneness is seen in the principle of mentalism, all is mind. Well, if all is mind, there's nothing separate from that. Everything is this consciousness. However, at the same time, you have all these other laws that are sort of born of duality, of separation, you know, polarity, uh, gender, vibration. Uh, cause and effect. They kind of have these these sort of like dualistic aspects to them. So all is born of this highest truth that all is mind, all is one, but yet these are just sort of um, hierarchical extensions of this law that add depth, complexity, and meaning to the universe and to this experience that we are having. It's it's almost like it's the rules of the game. You can't have a game if just everybody wins and we're already at the at the end of the game, right? You have to have a beginning and end, you have to have rules, you have to have different players, pieces on the board, so to speak. So I, I hope all this is making sense. I'm I'm really trying to just set the stage here first and it it's a lot. It's a lot to sort of wrap your head around 
But once you truly start to understand it, it is more simple in its like in its scope. So then spirituality in the most specific context here is the human experience of living as matter imbued with consciousness exploring itself. Remember, all matter is consciousness, but varying in degree via the law of polarity. There is consciousness in everything. However, not everything is the same degree of consciousness. You know, a rock is not as conscious as uh, an insect is not as conscious as a cow is not as conscious as a human being. So there is sort of this hierarchy of consciousness. And of that truth, that, that consciousness varies by degree, not in its source, but in its manifestations, is born the universal purpose, meaning the purpose that every being has, which is to evolve and expand our consciousness by navigating, creating experiences, navigating those, and forging Midgard, forging what we're experiencing, forging, creating the world in which we live. We can create heaven or we create hell. It's completely up to our choices, our actions. So really, there's just three fundamental modes by which we are going about this. Being, doing, and becoming. So let's look at those individually. Being is sort of the simple state of existence, but imbued with that conscious energy. You could say a rock is just being, but for you to truly be a being, you've got to be completely present. You've got to be expanding out with your, your awareness and simply just connected to everything. Then you have doing, which is more of the masculine aspect where you're, you're taking action. You're creating change, right? You're like, one is just total acceptance of everything. That's more the feminine, total just acceptance and oneness with things. But then to do anything, your intention is to change something. So you don't accept something. You're, you say, I see this idea. I see this situation, whatever it may be. I'm going to change it. I'm going to take an action that's going to influence the the circumstances and create a different outcome. So that's doing. And then becoming is, is actually kind of this synthesis where, I mean, you can, you can break down the word. Becoming is made of being and coming, like being on a journey and coming to the destination. So this is a concept I'm going to be kind of touching on throughout as well as this do this dichotomy between journey and destination. And what is that destination? Becoming our more evolved selves, our higher selves, our better version of ourselves. And we can only do that through taking action, by changing who we are, by not accepting ourselves fully. And I know this is really one of those paradoxes, like you, you do accept and love yourself as you are, but you also don't accept just staying stagnant with that. You're always seeking to take actions, whether internal or external, 
to continue moving forward with your own evolution. And then to touch quickly on the concept of reincarnation. This makes the most logical sense when you're sort of just taking a step back out of dogmatic teachings, doctrine, and just looking at life through that lens, the animist perspective, this is the most common animistic belief that goes all the way back is reincarnation. Again, universally, uh, it's borderless, it's timeless. And so in that same vein, we are experiencing the same universe through countless experiences and roles that we choose to incarnate as, whether it be man, woman, you know, uh, rich or poor, uh, father, son, brother, you know, warrior, poet, like all these different sort of life experiences, uh, ancient, primitive, futuristic, modern. These are relative terms, but you get the idea is like there are infinite ways to experience life through these different roles, these archetypes. And each one is going to give you a unique and meaningful experience that's going to be contributing and adding to this evolution of the one consciousness. So then you have the mind-body-soul connection. They are all one thing, but they're all separate components which create this experience. It's kind of like your body is all one thing, but yet it does have different parts to it. Like you can't really tell the exact line when your hand becomes your wrist, becomes your arm. It really doesn't exist. It's all one thing. But you can look at it from different pieces to see that each part has its own function. So the body is the material vessel which exists in the physical realm. And then your soul exists in the spiritual and then the mind is the bridge between them, relaying the information, right? Your, your higher self, your whatever you want to call it, your soul is speaking to your mind, uh, telling you through your intuition, through your instincts, um, through your gut feelings, your got feelings. Uh, and then the body is speaking through, through the nerves in your body, through your feelings, your emotions, your, your point of view, your perspectives. And the mind is what's synthesizing and sort of relaying all this information back and forth and uh, synthesizing as like a centralized point. And so to be spiritual is also to be a good steward of all of these aspects of ourselves born of self-care that feminine gener generative principle of care you want to take in good nutrition take good care of the body be in, in peak physical shape you want to take in good information uh not dwell on negative toxic crap you know that's going to poison and pollute your mind you want to take actions that nurture your soul like your whatever your spiritual practice your, your daily rituals, and even taking right action that is going to contribute to the integrity of your soul, right? Your self-respect. All right, hopefully this is all making sense. 
I hope it's all uh, useful to you. Um, if, if you're getting value out of this, please hit that like button real quick. It gives me good feedback, lets me don't know that I'm doing a good job explaining this stuff, that you're getting value from it. So next, I want to briefly touch on the concept of the trivium. Many of you who are long-term followers of the channel, or perhaps you're familiar with Mark Passio's work, are well familiar with this concept, but it really is absolutely fundamental knowledge when it comes to being a functional human being on this uh, spiritual experience. So what is the trivium referring to? Well, it's a, th a three-level system by which we are creating our reality, or co-creating, I should say, because there's universe, there's only one reality, but there's many of us, so we are all co-creating this experience that we are sharing together. And I'm going to explain this very simply because I will actually be covering this more in depth in the future. But just to give like a preliminary outline, what it really comes down to is alignment of your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. So as you think, so will you feel, so will you do. Right? Your choices are only as good as the information that you have. So your knowledge is going to dictate how you feel about things, i.e. how you process different experiences that you're having. And then your emotions are really what's leading most of the decisions you make, whether you're aware of that or not. Studying in psychology will tell you most people's decisions are emotional. But those emotions are born of your knowledge and the perspective, the narrative, the story that you're choosing to take. So that's the trinity, which is thoughts, emotions, and actions that come together and forge our creative power. The trivium is similar to this. It's almost like a, a reflection or a corresponding concept that's more the, uh, the building blocks of how knowledge is discovered and reality is created first through truth or knowledge itself just the taking in of information which is the mind uh, the the intellectual kind of aspect of it then comes understanding which is like a true integration of that information where you you don't just know it you you make it a part of yourself and kind of your subconscious programming even, which relates to emotions. So at this stage, that's when you're going to have that care about what you know. And then, of course, as those, st those building blocks build upon each other, you have knowledge, you have understanding where you've taken it in and you have a care for that truth. And then you have the behavioral output of that knowledge as a computer takes the programming the information in and puts out an output it's the same way with us once that knowledge has been integrated and there's emotional care there behind it then you're going to put that into action and those actions are what's going to actually create change in the reality field so if you have faulty thinking then you're going to have faulty actions. 
For example, say your thinking is that a person is trustworthy when they're actually in reality not, well, you're going to think that they're trustworthy based on your assessment of them, which makes you feel safe, which makes you take certain liberties and open yourself up to potentially being taken advantage of. So then by trusting that person and entrusting them through actions, that is a faulty choice that can lead to negative outcomes. That's just one of many, many examples you could use. So now that I've more or less defined spirituality, let's talk about what it's all about. So spirituality really comes down to two main aspects. Awareness, which is your consciousness, and actions, which is what you're creating. Again, these are kind of masculine and feminine aspects or expressions of God, source, whatever kind of word you want to use. And it's the internal and external expressions of those, your consciousness and then your actions. Again, through the trivium, all is mind. That's where it starts is in your state of mind. And then that will tr trickle down and uh, translate through your actions. But let's kind of dissect and break these down into smaller components, which actually correspond to the elements. So beginning with awareness or mind, you have knowledge, which is air, and care, which is water, or thoughts and emotions, masculine and feminine. These will translate into action. It's like a formula. Knowledge plus care equals action, because... Knowledge generates care, and care inspires the thirst for knowledge, right? You're, uh, you're, you're not going to care about something that you know nothing about. You have to have a, a vested interest in it. You have to have an intimacy with whatever it is that you're talking about. And then together, when, when synthesized, they create aligned action. You need both in order to do that. You know, like, for example, you could uh, know that the oceans are being polluted, but if you don't care, well, then you're not going to do anything about it, right? Or you might care deeply, but you might have no idea it's happening. So if you, if you aren't aware of what's happening, again, you're not going to take any kind of action towards that. Then you have presence. So awareness, now presence, this is kind of more in the uh, like more new agey, you know, embodiment, mindfulness, gratitude, being present in the moment. Uh, this has its place in the grand scheme of things. And this corresponds to your body and the earth element. So you have air and water in, in the mental aspect. Now you have the body, uh, which is the earth element. And in context to the journey, without awareness, your journey has no direction, right? Again, what you know and care about are going to dictate the direction that you go, the actions that you take. It's your compass. Without presence, the journey has no meaning. It's meaningless, right? You could be at 
the most epic concert ever or skiing in the Alps or whatever. But if you're not present, what does it matter? You're not even there. You're somewhere else. Okay, then we have actions again with the knowledge and care. They synthesize and then uh, create your or dictate your actions. That's the fire element. This is what we're actually creating in the world. Without action, the journey never even begins, right? You can be thinking about doing this or doing that all day long, but if you're still sitting on your fucking couch, well, you're not really on a journey then, are you? This also corresponds to courage as well, very fiery aspect. And again, without care, you cannot have courage or carriage. You might have knowledge, you might even care, but if you don't have the courage to actually take actions, again, you're still going to stay stuck there. That's a whole separate thing that you need to cultivate. And then, of course, you have the fifth element, which is spirit itself. This is the anima that we spoke of in the beginning of this episode. The, the soul within the matter that is animating your very being and is the true self. And finally, what what spirituality is about is about freedom the freedom to be and do whatever we want so long as it does not cause harm to another because without freedom there is no journey right if you're not free to go whatever direction you're feeling called to you're you're not on a journey you're being forced and told where to go it's not you you're subjugating that experience and now you're not on a playground anymore you're back in school getting whacked with a ruler so freedom of what freedom of choice freedom to create whatever we want to to give our gifts to express our souls in its many many ways through music and art and architecture and math all the many beautiful facets and aspects of the mind and freedom from our own ignorance that we're born into, our lower, baser instincts, and of course our programming and our trauma, which is unavoidable. It's kind of our rite of passage. We're born into this world. The world can be a hostile place, but it's through that alchemy, through that transmutation of the, the trauma that we become our own liberators. And this point is of, uh, of the utmost importance here. Morality and freedom are inseparably linked together. As the law of freedom states, as morality increases, so freedom increases. And as morality decreases, so is freedom limited. Because all immoral actions are a form of theft, which by definition are limiting the freedom of another. So to get in, in briefly on morality and ethics here, it can really all be boiled down to the golden rule. Do no harm, but take no shit. The more we become aware, the more our hearts come online and we naturally feel a sense of compassion and respect for others. So again, without that knowledge of oneness of allness uh, but also it's not just an intellectual 
knowledge. It's a heart-based intelligence, true care for ourselves and for others, and in a, a balance of that self-respect versus respect for others. You're finding that middle, the way of synthesizing your needs with the needs of others. One cannot truly be awake and still violate others. It is a inherent form of ignorance. No matter how much you know intellectually, if you're violating others, your heart is not online. And to violate others is to violate yourself. This is how karma works. Again, what I spoke about earlier with right action. You're, you're betraying your own soul when you violate natural law. You're marring your own integrity. You're polluting your own soul. And keep in mind, freedom is the default state when no violation, when no violence is occurring. The playground is naturally a place of freedom when there's no bullies present. So I'm going to be doing a whole video going in-depth on just this topic alone. So I won't go... So I'm not going to uh, go any more in-depth on this one, but definitely keep an eye out for that video. So let's talk about what spirituality isn't. Because, again, this is a word that gets thrown, out, uh, thrown around a lot. And, uh, of course, many people have a lot of different ideas about it. And some of them are just plain wrong. So a, a few things that came to mind about what spirituality is not... It's not about killing your ego, okay? That's utter nonsense. Um, your ego is simply your sense of self. I don't agree or subscribe to this idea of like completely losing yourself, becoming nothing, becoming no one. Um, you were born as you for a reason. This idea of losing yourself is a, is a form of collectivism that I don't think is healthy. What you need to do is integrate, heal and integrate your ego. See to it that your ego is not running rampant and overcompensating and trampling on everyone. But you want it to be there and fully embodied and fully healthy. Without, without an ego, you don't have boundaries. You're just a doormat, okay? Spirituality is not about... Being, appearing woke or being a guru, some kind of teacher necessarily, that doesn't mean teachers aren't spiritual. It's just that that's not what it's about. That's really what I'm trying to get at here. It's not about status or appearance. It's about you doing the work, about you actually living what you not only know to be true, but if you choose to speak about it. It's definitely not, and this is a big one, it's not about any one monolithic path or doctrine. I see people get hung up on this one a lot. They're always looking for some kind of centralized source of truth, right? Whether it's the Bible, some kind of monolithic rule book that says definitively everything that is right and everything that's wrong. And I see people asking this question a lot, even about natural law. Well, how do we know natural law is the truth? 
you know, well, what are you looking for? Some kind of natural law Bible? It's all around you. How do you know? How do you know if a fire's hot? It burns you. It, or it cooks your food. Are you going to be a victim of the laws or are you going to use them to your advantage because you understand how they work? It's called living. It's called experiencing. How do you know if things work? You test them. You be the scientist in the grand experiment of life. It's really that simple. Figure it out for yourself. There is no shortcut. Stop looking to anyone or anything else to, to tell you what that is. Find it for yourself. And you'll know from the evidence. Okay. It's not about escaping the matrix. This is another one you hear a lot. This kind of escapism. Oh, we're all slaves. Um, the demiurge. All this kind of Gnostic stuff. I don't agree with that stuff. Again, this is, this is a playground. Just because we have some bullies, just because the cult control system exists, doesn't mean that we're all trapped and that uh, the only way to be spiritual is to escape uh, to 5D or whatever it is. This is nonsense. You're not on some other timeline. You're not living in, in 5D, okay? You're just a human being, just like the rest of us. Get over yourself. The work is done here. And if you see the world as a prison, then you're creating that prison in which you live. Or you can make a different choice and see it as a playground, some, a realm of infinite possibilities. Being spiritual is not about being positive or ignoring the negative. There's value to positive thinking, right? And uh, of course, nobody likes feeling negative emotions, but these things all have their purpose. They're, they're doing exactly what they're designed to do. You need to feel those negative emotions and, and figure out why they're there, what they're trying to tell you. I'm actually going to be doing an episode very soon about emotional intelligence, which I'm very excited about. So I'll, I'll go more into depth on these concepts there. Okay, spirituality is not about saving others, being the Jesus and saving everyone, waking people up. Again, you can do those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't make you spiritual. In fact, if you're trying to save people that aren't asking for your help, um, you're being very disrespectful. You're not, you're not honoring the journey that they're on. And you're not respecting their autonomy and their freedom of choice. Planting seeds is one thing. But shoving it down people's throats and telling yourself you're doing a good thing is very different. So to wrap this up, and I know I, I've covered a lot of ground here. I know uh, it's a lot to take in. I hope it, it all makes relative sense to you. Let me know in the comments below if you're getting something out of this, if it's all making sense for you. But to conclude and wrap this up here, I want to finish by saying that this journey that we're on never ends. You never actually reach the destination because... It's just a never-ending perpetual steps of ascension. Once you've reached that next step, well, go on to the next one and the next one. You don't get to the next step and just go, okay, well, I made it. I'm spiritual now. 
I'm just going to hang out here and look down on everyone on the steps below. You keep going. And it's, it's not about comparing yourself to anyone or which step they're on. Of course, everyone is on their own steps. Some people are higher and some people are lower. That is true. But again, that's not what makes you spiritual. That's not what your focus should be on. And there's always more to discover and realize about yourself, about the universe, the way things work, natural law, how to be more moral, how to be a better creator, right? Honing your craft, whether you're a musician, a painter, chess player. There's always more depths to explore, even within what you already know. You can always come back full circle and go even deeper into truths that you've already understood and take them to new levels. And that's really what it's about. That's being spiritual. It's not the level that you're at. It's that you're committed to the journey. The journey doesn't even end at death, right? For the soul is recycled and continued on. It, it's just perpetual, like the spiral. You're coming around full circle, but in a better place than you were before. And that's what I want to leave you on is, is encouraging you wherever you're at on the path, don't stop there, right? The Buddha, the Buddha quote that says, there's only two mistakes you can make on the path to truth. One is not starting and the other is not going all the way. There is no end. To be spiritual is to be committed to the never-ending pursuit of expanding yourself, expanding your awareness and what your capabilities are and giving your gifts to the world to help facilitate their journeys as well as your own. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was a lot of fun for me. I really love this, this topic here and speaking on that. I hope you got some value from it. If you did, again, drop a like down below. That really helps. Again, hit the bell icon to get notified of every video. My one ask for today, if you would please, is just quickly go down below into the Wizard Factory link tree and follow us on the whatever social media platforms of your choice, be it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and just go quickly like a few of the posts to awaken the dormant algorithm and try to get some momentum back and let more people see those posts. It really would mean a lot to me and I appreciate you. Thank you again for watching. I deeply appreciate you being here. I'll see you in the next one. But until then, be empowered, be inspired, and be encouraged. <laughs>